0: Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Nick Lawson, a fourth-year student pharmacist at Campbell University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast, broadcasting from DMax Ankeny campus. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD, or on YouTube at Tony PharmD, where you can find over 700 pharmacy videos, supporting my audiobook, Memorizing Pharmacology, and new book, How to Pronounce Drug Names, both available on Amazon. Today, we're talking with Nick Lawson, a fourth-year student pharmacist at Campbell University in Bowies Creek, North Carolina. It's going to kick off a series uh, that we're going to have with a number of students that have been at associations uh, which we have found has been very important in leadership roads. Uh, Nick received his bachelor's degree in biology from the University of Virginia in 2012 and he's already earned his MBA from Campbell University in December 2016. He's just looking to complete his PharmD in May 2017. While at Campbell his greatest experiences came from working with APHA ASP as policy vice president and the state association NCAP North Carolina Association of Pharmacists as chair of the Student Pharmacist Network, which was recently created. After graduating in May, he plans to pursue a two year residency in Health System Pharmacy Administration, where he can further develop his skills as a clinician and pharmacy leader. Nick, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast
0: hi terny thanks for welcoming welcoming me <laughs>
1: yeah yeah no i'm excited to have you here uh, i reached out to the national associations and uh penny at your association uh, contacted you to contact me and and it all led to this where we can you know start talking about the impact associations have had uh, i talked to brandon Gerlman, uh who said the iowa pharmacy association was tremendously impactful uh, tyler dalton in alabama who said the alabama association was important and um Anna Shields from Drake's, uh, one of the biggest reasons she went to Washington State was because of what the association had done uh, in helping get provider status. So tell us a little bit, you know, everyone's leadership road is a little different. Tell us a little bit about your road to pharmacy school. What made you decide on pharmacy as a profession?
0: So I've really always known that I wanted to pursue a career in the healthcare field. A lot of my family is involved in the healthcare field. Uh, My mom started out as a a pediatric ICU nurse for 20 years and then transitioned into actually teaching nursing where she's a dean um, at a nursing school up in Virginia. And through all of those experiences, talking with family members, when I got to UVA, I really looked at the different healthcare fields and settled on pharmacy. Um, I became interested in it. And as I was reading more, decided, hey, let me get certified as a certified pharmacy technician. Uh, After I did that, I started looking at opportunities to work or volunteer as a technician. And that actually led me to um, the Madison House program at UVA, where I was able to volunteer at the UVA hospital in the inpatient pharmacy. So for my last two years there, um, I volunteered in the pharmacy and got to know other technicians and pharmacists and really started to enjoy the field and see it as one that I wanted to pursue a career in.
1: Okay, well, you're being a little bit humble because I remember <laughs> applying to UVA
0: and I uh,
1: didn't get in. I got waitlisted and denied. My house was physically three miles across the Potomac from Virginia, but I was oh a my Maryland gosh. resident. Uh, I didn't make it into Virginia, but I remember that Virginia is one of the top public schools in the country. So, congratulations on getting in through UVA, getting through UVA, and obviously doing well uh, enough to get into pharmacy school. But what really made me curious was that. You are at Campbell University in North Carolina, a small private, uh, if I remember right, which is outside your home state of Virginia. So what made you make that move? My wife went to a a slack, a small liberal arts college. Uh, What made you do that?
0: Uh, so Virginia will always be my home. You know UVA Wahoo Wah, I'm uh, will always cheer for my who's um, as an alumni. But when I really started looking into pharmacy programs, I knew that I wanted to branch out. Um, it, you know, Virginia was an option when I was applying to pharmacy schools, uh, but I also uh, started looking at other programs. And while at UVA, uh, I was the president of the Pre Pharmacy Society, and I'd actually connected with one of the admissions representatives from Campbell, started learning a little bit more about their program, and then discovered the PharmD MBA program, um, which was really why I was drawn to the school. Uh, So I applied, and then when I interviewed, I really felt that the culture that Campbell had developed was one that they put the students first uh, so that they can succeed uh, first and foremost, Uh, and realized that that, in addition to the dual degree, uh, was really a school that I could develop relationships with, with colleagues, faculty, and a staff that would have my best interest at heart. Um, So that interview and just learning the information, getting to know the people at Campbell really drew me to the school and eventually drew me to North Carolina uh, because uh, this the the culture was so welcoming and open and looking for that success for students.
1: Yeah, my wife went to Drake and the small liberal arts college. And that's not just rhetoric about the putting the students first. That's a very uh, true thing. Uh, the research agenda is not generally first. It's it's the students first. And then if we're going to talk about MBAs and return on investment, uh, the amount that you pay for the MBA or having the MBA farm D, the, the return on investment is fantastic. Obviously, uh, you get the best of both worlds and, and opportunities for careers uh, in both. So tell me, though, uh, how those two degrees work in tandem at Campbell, because we'll be talking later with uh, Ali Jo Shipman uh, from Mercer, who also is getting PharmD MBA. So I'll be interested to contrast them. But how do these two degrees work in tandem? How do you get two degrees in the time that someone normally gets one?
0: So Campbell has a a really great approach. Uh, They actually have several dual degree programs. Uh, Primarily those two uh, programs are the dual PharmD MBA and then also a dual PharmD uh, MSCR, which is a clinical research degree. And they have it broken up um, specifically for the MBA uh, coursework into the kind of non-traditional MBA setting where they offer the MBA classes in eight week sessions and throughout the year um, and they're actually offered in the evenings versus our pharmacy courses they're taught during the day. So when I started um, I had the first semester where I was going to my pharmacy classes in the morning and then I took uh, two eight-week sessions of the MBA classes in the in the evenings. Uh, and that was lasted over the course of the the first year pharmacy school. Another advantage that they uh, provide to kind of make it work in tandem is that the MBA classes are offered year-round. So I was also able to complete some of those eight-week classes uh, during the summers. And that allowed me to actually uh, move forward a little bit quicker and then and graduate with my MBA uh, earlier, ahead of the PharmD uh, degree when they normally confer them both together. Um, Additionally, some of the upper-level classes and electives in the pharmacy count for the upper-level electives for the MBA program, so I was able to take some pharmacy marketing, finance, administration classes, and even our pharmacy jurisprudence course, and those dual counted for the upper-level electives in the MBA program. So Campbell's really created a, a streamlined approach for the students wanting to pursue both degrees, and it made it pretty easy for me to achieve both of them in four years where some other programs I looked at, they do it as a five-year program. um, And that was that four-year approach was something that really drew me specifically to their program.
1: Um, This is a little off the script, but uh, tell me a little bit about the networking that you get to do with other MBA students that are not in pharmacy. Because I always find that, you know, we, we kind of get I don't want to say stuck, but but many of our interactions and, and our best friends are in pharmacy. Uh, are you able to connect with other people in the business school that are maybe have different points of view, things like that?
0: Definitely. Uh, So our MBA program is just like a lot of others where they bring in people from different backgrounds. Um, One of the classes we had uh, a business student that was going straight into graduate school. We had an administrator from uh, a college that was coming back to get her MBA uh, moving forward. I had a classmate that he was working with his uh, father in a smaller business and they wanted to grow the business. So he decided to continue on after college and uh, get an MBA so that they could grow the business. Um, And Campbell really encouraged uh, this. And then the MBA professors really encouraged diverse work groups when we did our projects. So in a lot of our work groups, I would have maybe one other pharmacy student, but then multiple other uh, non-pharmacy students. And being able to pull from everyone's variety of experiences and backgrounds made the experience overall really unique. I got to connect with those people, get to know them and learn about other fields that I really don't get to hear about and get their perspectives on how to apply um, projects and uh, just networking with them. So it was a great opportunity uh, to work with them over the course of the time in the MBA program.
1: Okay. So tell me a little bit about um, this association management, because when I think MBA, I think kind of uh, Wall Street, finance, uh, maybe accounting, uh, things that are kind of concrete, maybe even marketing. Those are things that are concrete in my mind, Mm -hmm. what an accountant does, what a marketer does and what a finance person does. But uh, association management. That career path isn't really clear in my mind. Can you uh, explain how you've become involved in association management, how your MBA experiences maybe fit in? And and then about this path from, uh, I believe you were a technician at Virginia, you mentioned, and Mm -hmm. now you are this student pharmacist network chair at NCAP. So tell me how all of this happened. This leadership road is is really from, especially since I'm a pharmacy technician chair, that we're going from technician all the way up to pharmacist with an MBA, PharmD, uh, in a true leadership position at the state level.
0: Sure. Uh, so a little bit of background in the association management side. Um, I got involved with that. Through APHA ASP as policy vice president, uh, there was a group of North Carolina students working to give student pharmacists a voice in our state association. So they contacted me as uh, the representative from Campbell to kind of tie all the schools of pharmacy in North Carolina together. Um, And we worked together to uh, create a proposal to NCAP and found that student pharmacist network. Now, where... Where the MBA I feel like has really tied back into that is as I've gotten more involved with the state association, and then he actually, which I think we'll talk about in a little while um, is work working to have a, a rotation uh, my, during my fourth year with the state association. the business knowledge I've gained is really applicable to something in the nonprofit sphere. You know, as pharmacists, we think about the, the impact on the patients and uh, the legislative advocacy side of things, but really when you're looking at an association to manage and actually offer all of those things, the aspects of the MBA, such as the financial side of managing a nonprofit, marketing to your membership, you know, pharmacists, you've gotta sell yourself as to why you, your pharmacist in your state should join the state association, selling yourself to students, Um, planning and coordinating big conventions and all of that ties back into marketing finances and administration so because i feel like because i had that mba experience i was able to excel even further within my state association and even take on more experiences uh during that rotation with dr shelton um uh, back in november
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I I was talking to Anthony Pudlow, who's VP of, uh, I want to say it's professional affairs. I always forget his actual title, but uh, we have the Midwest Pharmacy Expo and we're going to have eight pharmacy associations coming down here to Iowa again. Wow. And, and uh, part of that is making sure that the venue uh, is one that's affordable. And, and it's not like the association is trying to make all of this money, but they're also mm. trying not to lose money. Uh, so they want to make good decisions and and that's a, a lot of what uh, sounds like the the NBA is about, and and really making sure that you know you can provide these services, provide advocacy, and all these things. But uh, you still have to be mindful of the of the wallet, and have to be mindful of the the events, and and how all this comes together. And with many uh, many of you guys are volunteers, so uh, in in some way uh, you'll always be understaffed at the association with full time people, and you depend mm-hmm. on uh, training the volunteers. And it sounds like you were not. Not only trained well, but you've also been able to bring in other people. So how have you brought in other people into the state association? I'm saying like your classmates, how do you guys participate now? So you're the chair, but Mm -hmm. what, how do you bring them into the state association? Let them know about it and have them participate.
0: So, one of the things that we did when we founded it is we wanted to have equal representation from all the schools of pharmacy. At that time, we had three schools of pharmacy, and now we actually have four, so we're working on bringing in that fourth school. But what we did was set up a structure for the student pharmacist network to have representatives at each school, which we called members at large. We had the chair and chair elect, which were elected from the members at large. And we gave each school three uh, members for those positions. So that way we have bodies on campus at every school. Then what we do is once a month, we meet via Google Hangouts to have a web meeting, similar, very similar to Skype. And we talk about what our individual chapters are doing, what the st- students are interested in, what NCAP's uh, upcoming uh, legislative and other operational uh, objectives are and how students can get involved. And we create an agenda to essentially pass back to the students on campus and working with the chapters. So when the NCAP chapter on each campus has a meeting, they can poll students for who wants to volunteer, who wants to get involved, and really start driving that aspect. Because we act as as that liaison between the students and the pharmacists and the staff um, at NCAP. Uh, We can... Convey uh, what NCAP really wants to achieve to the students and show them that value in getting involved. And then we're there in person to talk to them. Whereas the you know we can have Dr. Shelton come out maybe once a semester or once a year to give a presentation and talk to NCAP. But having that accessibility of the students on campus um, all the time with through our NCAP chapters has really broadened and brought in um, more students into the association.
1: Okay, and that's the the ultimate goal is to to get more member participation, uh, and so important for the associations to have members. Uh, I finally just put it on auto renew uh, for Iowa, so I've I've already paid my dues for the year. So i I feel like a good Iowan, uh, a good uh, contributor to the association. But I'm curious more. Now about, uh, you know, so you've got experience at a pharmacy association through this APPE rotation. Uh, I call them apes. Some people call them APPEs. But mm-hmm. what did you do on a day to day and week to week basis? First, tell us where in the year you did it, because with associations, it really matters because February, for example, is funnel season. You're at lead, you're down at the, you know, uh, down at the <laughs> Capitol every day.
0: But you were there at what time of year? And then what did you do? So I was there in technically scheduled for November, but due to the time of year, as you mentioned, that changes with associations, the beginning of November, that first weekend, is actually the NCAP annual convention. So because one of my scheduled months off for APPE rotations was October, I actually started the rotation a week early at the end of October to get a head start and help out with the final planning aspects, um, uh, you know, just logistics of finalizing everything for that NCAP annual convention. And over the course of that week, that first week, that was essentially all we were working on was stuff for the annual convention and then also a joint advocacy outreach effort. Uh, I had been working on with our provider status task force chair regarding the transparency and DIR fees uh, for HR 5951 and S3308. Um, we had. Uh, s- we ended up going to the different schools over the course of uh, October, and I actually went that last week to give a presentation to the students on campus at Campbell, just letting them know about the fees and encouraging uh, actually a letter-writing campaign that we advocated through social media um, on that last week of October uh, to really put forth some information and get it in the hands of our legislators uh, before the end of the uh, session approached in December. Let's take a short break and hear a word from our sponsor.
1: I'm proud to say that my audiobook, Memorizing Pharmacology, for a few hours at least this weekend, was number one in the Audible Audiobooks Medicine category, and number eight in the country under the Audible audiobook Science category. I'm so excited this many people want to listen to what a pharmacist has to say. I don't know if a pharmacist has ever been up that high on the rankings. Uh, I'd ask that if you know a student in pharmacy, nursing, or medicine struggling with pharmacology or the top 200... Please pass on the link in the show notes to Memorizing Pharmacology. If you have a customer email list or own a pharmacy-related business, I just ask that you offer the new audiobook, How to Pronounce Drug Names. A Visual Approach to Preventing Medication Errors. Uh, The way Audible works is that the person's first book is free, and I ask this because January 23rd, the Pharmacy and Medically Underserved Areas Enhancement Act, HR-592, was introduced into the U.S. House of Representatives. That bill, like its Senate companion, S-109, will allow pharmacists to be designated as healthcare providers under Medicare Part B. We need lots of people to know what pharmacists can do. The bill already has 113 co-sponsors as of today, including Iowa Representatives Rod Blum, Steve King, and Dave Lobsack. And I wanted to thank them as well as Representative Brett Guthrie from Kentucky who introduced it. Uh, I hope to meet some of you in person at either the Iowa Pharmacy Association Legislative Day, February 7th, the Midwest Pharmacy Expo, February 17th to 19th, in Des Moines with partners from the Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Wisconsin pharmacy associations, or in APHA in San Francisco from March 24th to March 27th. Yeah, so I, 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 I want to hear a little bit more about this social media. I met with uh, Jack Whitver, uh, who is our now newly elected state president-elect. Uh, he's a senator here in Iowa, state senator in mm-hmm. Iowa. And uh, I got in touch with him through Facebook, then Twitter, uh, and just met with him for 15, 20 minutes, and then I'll meet with him again after the legislative session. But how do you use social media specifically? What platforms? Uh, are you getting in touch with the students? Are you getting in touch with the populace? Uh, what are you
0: doing? Sure. So we, we've we recently added a full social media set of profiles specific to the NCAP student pharmacist network. NCAP as a whole had several social media platforms uh, that the pharmacist volunteers and the executive director had been using. But when I came in as chair, I really wanted to launch uh, social media profiles that are specific to the student pharmacist network for us to increase outreach directly to students. So we created a Facebook page um, and an Instagram account, uh, to first and foremost, uh, to launch those. And for the social media page, that's really become an out or the Facebook page, I apologize, um, has become an outlet for us to reach students across the state, uh, because most students nowadays, everybody has Facebook, Instagram, those different social media accounts. So it's great to get a quick blast out to students, um, in addition to an email blast, and just uh, having that one slide picture show up in their news feed on Facebook or on Instagram uh, such as um, the information about the uh, student, uh, the NCAP annual convention and links to register, uh, just a couple quick pieces of information. So that's kind of how we've used it so far. And uh, one thing that I definitely wanted to chat with you about in a few minutes is the, the legislative day we have coming up. And so um, I'm going to actually be meeting with the current members of the Student Pharmacist Network uh, Executive Committee uh, in, later this week to create a plan and social media uh, set of items to launch over the next couple months in preparation for our le- day in the legislature.
1: Okay, well, what, what we—I'm not sure when this exactly is going to go out, but uh, definitely after we have this talk, uh, definitely let me know when those dates are. I can send it out on my social media, and I can certainly talk to uh, other people that I know. Uh, Anthony still has strong ties to North Carolina. Um, I'm normally I, I go from DMac to do this podcast, but I'm right now looking at the North Carolina Board of Pharmacy certifies that Anthony Pudlow has a license state in pharmacy, so uh, I'll definitely talk to him about it too Um, but this is uh, this is uh, very exciting Um, and do tell me when the best time would be to get this out because we can uh, sometimes uh, mess with the schedule a little bit but tell me about the NCAP priorities so uh, here in Iowa I believe that uh, we have our board who uh, elects the CEO uh, and then the CEO guides each uh, the people to the uh, people at IPA to get things done Uh, how do things work there at NCAP and setting priorities
0: Gotcha. So NCAP has the executive committee uh, and a board of directors. And the executive committee is uh, composed of voting members that make up the different forums and chairs of NCAP, such as the student pharmacist network. Um, We also have a new practitioner network, um, different standing committees like a provider status task force, uh, things of that nature, um, membership. Um, And there's a group, the executive committee that makes up the voting populace and the board of directors to work with the hired executive director uh, to pretty much help guide the goals, objectives, everything um, for NCAP. That's kind of a a broad overview of the the structure of NCAP and really what we're looking at for setting priorities for for this upcoming legislative session is gearing up for our pharmacy day in the legislature on March 22nd um, in uh, in 2017. That's actually going to be um, at the legislature in Raleigh and we're going to be inviting students and pharmacists uh, to join us that day to meet with legislators, talk with them, give presentations. Uh, The last time we did this, we did a Healthcare. So we're talking about doing that again as well, um, and really talk to the new and incumbent legislators about state and national, um, issues that are important to pharmacists.
1: Okay. So, uh- Tell me a little bit, let's get out of North Carolina for a minute. Um, APHA is going to have their national meeting in San Francisco. San Francisco is an expensive city. Uh, getting there for someone from you know North Carolina would be expensive. Uh, tell me a little bit about attending regional and national meetings, uh, why it's worth it to go to them. I'm a firm advocate in them. Uh, I went from Maryland to Seattle for my first APHA meeting. I want to say it was 92, 93. But how has that impacted you, And uh, especially Especially with APHA, ASP, and your efforts as the policy and advocacy vice president.
0: That's great. Yeah, my, I'm happy to hear about all of how your involvement's grown. And you're right, the regional and national meetings have really created just a whole network and re- set of relationships for me that I didn't even imagine possible when starting pharmacy school. Uh, as I mentioned before, I was elected policy vice president in spring of 2015. And a week after I was elected, policy vice president, we went to APHA annual convention uh, in Orlando in 2015. And I acted as our delegate. So I pretty much had to hit the ground running for uh, what I was learning and getting involved in with the policy and advocacy process. But while I was there and being a delegate, I sat with the other delegates from the different schools of pharmacy and met and started talking with different students and got great ideas from them, how I could, things I could bring back to uh, my chapter and just started building relationships with student pharmacists that I then would grab a bite with at the next regional or um, national meeting. So I've been able to network, build relationships, gain ideas, and just build a set of leadership experiences through these meetings that you can't get, um, from just staying at your school. It's a, it's a unique set of experiences, uh, talking with people all over the country, uh, at these uh, regional and national meetings.
1: Yeah. I, I was really surprised. I'd, I'd interviewed Anna Shields, um, Tyler Dalton, uh, Brandon Gurliman, and, um, uh, Robert, Oh my gosh, I forget his last name. That's so bad. Uh, but I had interviewed these four people and they already knew each other. And I was like, <laughs> how is that possible? And they had all been Robert Nichols. And they had all been NCPA chapter presidents. And I said, how do you guys know each other? And they had all mentored each other, worked with each other. Uh, so I think uh, you're absolutely right in terms of this networking. Uh, I think we use it as a buzzword. Yeah, it's important to network. But when you actually start doing it, it's fun. They make it sound like it's work. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's fantastic to get to people uh, that are interested in what you're doing. So tell me about this networking when it comes to after school. You're almost in May. You're going to graduate. And I understand APHA has a new practitioner network. I've been doing this for 19 years, so I'm guessing I don't qualify. But what does a new practitioner network do? Uh, How does that uh, help someone coming out of pharmacy school? What are the things that, that they would get together with and how would they get together?
0: Sure, uh, so the APHA New Practitioner Network, uh, it, it's a great resource for newly graduating pharmacists to really discover new opportunities in pharmacy, develop themselves professionally, and continue to build that professional network outside of school. Um, I, I know myself, you know, I'm looking at residencies that are not just in the state of North Carolina, a lot of my classmates are, and friends that I've made at other schools are looking at, at different states that their school might not have been in. So getting involved with the New Practitioner Network, you can really start to build those relationships there and it'll help you um, when you're interacting with other pharmacists uh, from other schools, other areas in in your career and just building that professional uh, development, uh, getting CEs, um, discovering new opportunities. You know, you may discover, hey, I started this residency and I learned about this other thing from another uh, new practitioner that's working on something in their residency and maybe I can implement that in our hospital and see where that could take you. So that's really one of my short term goals is to stay involved with the state and national associations. Our state association also has a new practitioner network. Um, They do a conference for them. Uh, a residency conference in in July that brings together uh, all the residents across the state. So uh, I hope that uh, that's something else that I can pursue through APHA's new practitioner network as well, as well, just to get to know other new practitioners across the country and even stay connected with the student pharmacists that um, I got to know through APHA as a student and see where they end up and how we can work together as pharmacists to continue uh, bettering the profession.
1: Yeah, and I think at APHA in San Francisco, or certainly to each of the national meetings, there's special new practitioner uh, meetings and and things Mm -hmm. that you get to go to uh, that I will not be able to go to unless I get (laughs) to be like four new practitioners or something. So, okay, well, you've been tagged as a leader by the North Carolina Association of Pharmacists when I when I contacted uh, the group NASPA that you know connects all 50 of the associations, then they contacted North Carolina, and North Carolina contacted you. I know students have a tough time talking about themselves and this is what I've done, but what is it that you think uh, made uh, them pick you and say, look, if we want somebody to represent the association and what we're doing here, Nick is our guy. Um, why did they pick you? What, what is it about you that you think they picked? I know this is a tough question.
0: It definitely is. And I'm very honored to have gotten the experiences I've gotten with NCAP and to be recommended by uh, Dr. Penny Shelton uh, to participate on the podcast and represent the North Carolina Association of Pharmacists. I think um, one thing that I've always uh, prided myself on is you know making my voice known, saying yes, and being a go-getter. And I've carried that through my experiences with with the North Carolina Association of Pharmacists on rotation anytime that Dr. Shelton needed something researched or wanted a quick update about uh, something or even needed a meeting attended um, in her her absence because she maybe had another meeting or phone call, um, I kind of jumped at the opportunity. I really enjoyed it and I wanted to put forth my best effort because I knew it would end up giving back to the association and inevitably our profession
1: yeah I, I have to agree with you that uh, when you're first starting out, you really want to say yes a lot more than you say no uh, maybe once you know you you get up there you're going to be like her or you're going to have to say no to some things and and have other people help you but uh, it seems clear that you know the the future leaders that that we're seeing going over and above. You're telling me about all these things you're doing while you're going to pharmacy school during the day, while you're doing MBA at night. Uh, So in your quotation fingers, spare time. Well, I know people (laughs) would want to hear from you or or maybe contact you. Uh, What would be the way that you prefer that they contact you? We'll, We'll put the information in the show notes, but what's your best way to be contacted? Is it Twitter, Facebook, email? What do you think?
0: Uh, email is probably the best way to contact me. Uh, right now uh, my email is a little bit convoluted, so definitely uh, check those show notes. But it is njlauson0629 at email.campbell.edu. And also until May, when we transition to the new year, uh, new um, chair for the Student Pharmacist Network, I'll be the one running the Student Pharmacist Network email, and that is ncap. SPN at gmail.com. So feel free to reach out to me on there.
1: So Um, NCAT student pharmacist network at gmail.com. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, just the SPN, uh, part. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then also feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's N I K O L A U S Lawson, L A W S O N. If you search for me.
1: Sounds good. Uh, well, just a couple of quick hit questions so we can get some uh, good advice from you. What's your best daily ritual to keep
0: your work on track? Uh, I know it's probably a little bit ironic uh being in pharmacy school and with everything I do, but getting a good night's sleep uh I've always set a good night's sleep and made sure that I wake up refreshed uh, because I've always noticed, especially an undergraduate, uh, that the less sleep I get, the less productive I am. So uh, it's always been set to kind of get like six hours at least uh, of sleep, which can be difficult uh, during hardcore study times. Uh, But that, in addition to the calendar and reminder applications on my phone, uh, is pretty much my daily ritual of things to keep me organized and keep me refreshed uh, for each day.
1: It makes a lot of sense. I'm very familiar with the Virginia Honor Code and uh, there's uh, no, no shortcuts uh, at the University of Virginia. So definitely have to get
0: a good night's sleep. Uh, yeah.
1: And then what's the best career advice you've ever received?
0: We spoke about it a little bit earlier, but saying yes to new opportunities. Uh, When I got into pharmacy school, I jumped at the opportunity to get involved with these organizations said yes to the different leadership opportunities because saying yes once will begin affording you opportunities in the future and gaining experiences that you didn't know could have happened. So my best career advice, especially for upcoming student pharmacists, even pharmacists practicing that are looking to uh, gain other experiences, just say yes at the worst case scenario, you find something that you tried and you didn't like and then you try something else
1: no I think you're absolutely right and then what inspires you
0: uh, really what inspires me to continue practicing as a pharmacist is uh, the lessons I've learned from my family uh, my wife my and then at the end of the day also my patients uh, seeing the impact that I can have working with uh, other pharmacists to improve patient care and then what that's going to better for them in the future uh, really gets you know keeps me going every day
1: well, thanks so much, Nick, for being on the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you, Tony. If you'd be interested in being on the Pharmacy Podcast Network, please contact me at Tony underscore PharmD. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, contact Todd Yuri at thepharmacypodcast.com.
0: We thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders.